Hey everyone, back again in my even more barren apartment bookcase scenario now. Uh, but today I'm going to talk about Karl Marx's notion of the Industrial Reserve Army. But before jumping into that, if you want to follow me anywhere than here, you can find me on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy. And I just want to say, uh, for those that are watching this and not just listening to it, I didn't put my cat there on purpose. He just went up there and now there's a cat. Um, if you found this in podcast form, you're going to be able to find it on YouTube if you want the video. If you found this on YouTube, you're going to be able to find it in podcast form pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts where there shouldn't be any ads, which is obviously better. If you're new here, welcome. I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts in a way to make them accessible to you. So if you're new, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. That would help me out a lot. You can help me out monetarily via Patreon or PayPal if you're into that. Uh, but obviously no pressure. And yeah. Don't waste any more of your time with that stuff. Let's talk about this term, the Industrial Reserve Army in Marx's capital. So in a capitalist economy, the owners of the means of production, bosses, owners of factories and machines, people who hire laborers, seek to maximize profits, which is no surprise. Now, in order for that to happen, they need to earn more off of what they're producing than what it costs them to actually produce the thing. So, if they're gonna charge, let's say they make shoes, they need to charge an amount for that shoe that is going to cover the cost of the materials, of the labor, of any machinery they have, the upkeep of machinery, everything like that, and then charge a little bit above all those costs in order to make a profit. Now, as kind of a side note, in order to actually be a capitalist, that money can't just be pocketed. Part of that money has to be turned into what is called capital, which means that it is put back into that business, into that enterprise, into the factory, into raw materials, whatever, so that even more profits can be earned, which just translates into even more capital. Now this economic system encourages new technological, mechanical, and organizational developments within factories, within industry, because of this drive for profit, because of this drive to make things cost as cheaply as possible, at the same time, earning as much profit as possible. And so with more money, more money is able to be put into research and development to make machines run more efficiently, to make machines run uh, harder and faster, to make laborers work more efficiently, and so on. Now, another hallmark of the capitalist economy is that it relies quite heavily on trade. So trade needs to occur not only within a single nation, but across nations. So many of these developments that are going to occur are going to happen almost everywhere. So if one organization, one enterprise develops a new technique to organize their laborers or uses new machinery, that won't stay secretive for too long and chances are that is going to extend everywhere. Now one of the immediate effects besides a general increase in profit and capital is a worsening of the working conditions for laborers because in cases where workers are made to work more efficiently, that often means they are forced to work harder or work longer hours, to work more efficiently, given fewer breaks, and so on. Now, a less immediate effect is that with the improved efficiency of workers, with the improved efficiency of machines, of factory settings, and so on, is that fewer workers are going to be required to actually work, because now fewer workers can do the work of what used to require many more. So the fewer workers that are left are going to have to work harder, not only because of the different organizational setup that the division of labor is going to necessitate, 
but also with the improved efficiency of machinery, it's going to require humans to work much harder to match the productivity of machines. And Marx says in the text that it's almost like humans become machine-like in this economy, in this mode of production, where machines are almost given a kind of human-like quality. They are treated as though they can be improved upon, as though they are organic, to which humans are only appendages. They are just like limbs to the operations of the machine. So if now one machine is made that can do the work that used to take 10 machines, that means that there might be, let's say each machine required a worker to maintain it. Now, instead of there being 10 workers, there is only one because there's only one machine now and that one worker is probably gonna to have to work much harder in order to match this now extremely efficient, probably works a lot faster and harder machine, and they're gonna be forced to adapt to that. While these remaining workers who are not needed anymore are going to be left on the street, they're not gonna have any opportunity. Now to this, you might say, oh well, those workers that are now not needed in that certain enterprise, in that certain industry, well, they'll just go somewhere else and find work somewhere else. Because after all, even these machines that are being used have to be made by somebody. There has to be people working in order to make these things. Marx describes though a qualitative shift in the way that production actually occurs, where when machines reach a certain level, it comes to the point where it seems as though machines are actually making machines. There is a removal away from human labor in favor of more and more machinic labor. Now this isn't just Marx. This isn't just, you know, communist Marx thinking this. David Ricardo was also very much afraid of what machinery would do to human labor. And the problem that will face capitalist enterprise is that with more labor being conducted by machines, that means there's going to be a smaller population that is capable or able to buy the things that are being produced in industry. Because for an industry to actually go on, it needs to have a population to sell its products to. But if everything is done by machinery and nobody has any disposable income, no one is going to actually be able to buy anything. Now with this growing redundancy of laborers, laborers becoming unneeded in industry, what this forms for Marx is an industrial reserve army where there are all these laborers just looking for work because they have no work, their jobs have been kind of taken by machinery, have been rendered redundant through improved methods of, of production. So you have all of these people that are now dependent upon wages to actually earn a living. They don't have land where they could live off the land and be self-sustaining. They don't have these opportunities anymore. And so they are reliant upon people to hire them so that they can earn wages. But because now there are more and more of them wanting jobs and the demand for them has gone way down, they form this mass of people just waiting for any job they can get, which means then that they are gonna be willing to work for less just to get some amount of work and they're going to be willing to work even harder, work in even worse conditions. Now in the whole scheme of things here, the capitalist class is very happy about this. They very much want people to come and work for pennies just so they can make a living. Now when Marx was writing this, he didn't fully grasp or understand, or he didn't fully foresee the way in which capitalism would develop a certain globalized character, where if it reached a new market, and that new market was in a certain period of desperation, it would be able to exploit those people so much more. 
to which some people argue, oh, well, isn't that great? We're giving people jobs in places so that they can actually earn some money. But when we begin to interrogate that a little bit, it comes down to certainly the intent behind that. And it's not about actually giving people jobs. It's about extracting from them as much exploitation as humanly possible in order to make certain people very rich. The way that the economy functions, and this could certainly occur in any phase of economic development, it is so well entrenched within our daily lives that it becomes naturalized and the very mechanisms that underwrite it become naturalized as well. So we see things and think, oh, well, that must be normal. The exploitation of people in Bangladesh must be an absolutely normal thing to do because money makes the world go round and capitalists are giving these people money so that they can work for them and there's some kind of like equal trade occurring here. Of course, this completely hides the fact that people are living in deplorable conditions and the money that they actually earn doesn't do nearly enough to cover the costs of their lives. So people die, people starve, and there are just gonna be more people willing to take up those roles from this industrial reserve army because they are desperate for just any little amount they can get. And yeah, I hope that cleared up or made clear uh, what Marx means by the Industrial Reserve Army. If there's anything I got wrong or something I should have mentioned, let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. If you like what I did, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Who knows, they might get a kick out of it. I've heard that my voice is soothing and it might help your friends or yourself sleep at night. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. Uh, so if you want to recommend me for that reason, I won't be offended at all. And yeah, catch you next time. Take care.